It's Wednesday, March 18th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Healthcare workers are on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic. We'll dive into the risks they're facing as they work around the clock to save lives. Then the U.S. government is thinking about ways to help Americans cope with the economic crisis. We'll explain why checks in the mail is an option that's got everyone talking. And finally, one listener tells us how she's zooming in to keep her community together. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by New Aller Life. More life, less blah. That's the sound of residents in Paris last night as people went to their windows and out on their balconies to voice their appreciation for medical workers, society's heroes as the world confronts the COVID-19 pandemic. As the U.S. adjusts to this new reality of staying home, medical workers are dealing with their own new reality. And in addition to the risk of getting sick themselves, they're also facing an incredible amount of emotional strain too. So today we're going to look at how healthcare workers are currently dealing with COVID-19 and how that could change as this outbreak continues. First, let's look at the challenges facing medical workers right now. In places like Italy, hospitals are overrun. Doctors have had to choose who they can save, and there simply aren't enough medical workers to keep up. The US isn't there yet, but many hospitals are starting to see more people show up who need to be treated for COVID-19. The government is preparing for the potential overflow of patients at hospitals. Today, President Trump even deployed a 1,000-bed hospital ship to New York City Harbor, meant for those who don't have COVID-19 but would still need medical care. So hospitals could soon face a strain. Doctors already are. Medical worker schedules are being stretched. And in the U.S., emergency rooms are already stretched thin on a normal day. Not only that, but after a long shift is over, medical workers head home. And they, like the rest of us, increasingly need to social distance from their own families to avoid infecting them. Yesterday, Dr. Rachel Patzer told CNN about her experience caring for her family and the steps her husband, an ER doctor in Atlanta, has had to take. Well, it's a new normal for me. So I have um, the the baby that is keeping me up all night and um, feeding her every two to three hours and trying to homeschool my pre-K and first grader um, and trying to do this by myself while my husband um, isolates himself uh, in a separate area of our, our house. So how are governments responding to this strain? Depends on where you live. Things have been looking up in China since the outbreak began in January. But before the caseload started to level off, things got pretty bad for medical workers. According to a report by the Wall Street Journal, some doctors and nurses treating patients began asking for psychological help to deal with stress. One nurse said she was emotionally drained after having to respond to nonstop calls from family members of those infected. Others reported having difficulty sleeping, despite knowing they needed proper rest to keep their immune system strong. So officials sent psychiatrists to hospitals to offer mental health support for doctors and nurses. And counseling organizations set up virtual mental health support through the texting app WeChat. That's a model we could see followed in the US. And hospital officials are trying to keep the needs of doctors and nurses in mind, whatever the future might bring. Dr. Lewis Nelson is a faculty member at Rutgers New Jersey Medical School. 
and also a practicing physician treating patients at University Hospital. You know, we're relying on our workers to come in. Of course, they are people too, and they have needs, and they develop medical uh, conditions just like everybody else does. Uh, we're really trying to utilize our resources, plan smartly, dagger uh, people's uh, clinical responsibilities so that they're not all burned out at the very beginning. But figuring out what to do if medical workers get sick is trickier. So we're starting to see governments call for backup. This week, Italy announced it would allow 10,000 medical students to start treating patients immediately. They don't even have to finish their exams. Medical schools in the UK are being urged to do the same. And some Canadian provinces are reportedly preparing to ask doctors to possibly come out of retirement. This is slowly becoming a thing in the U.S., too. Some hospitals are already hiring temporary nurses to fill in, as health workers are being forced to self-quarantine. And yesterday, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo said his state was also preparing for possible shortages of healthcare workers. He's asking recently retired health workers to fill out an online survey listing their qualifications in case they need to be called into emergency service. Back in New Jersey, Dr. Nelson says calling in medical students is one potential option. But some of the problems medical workers are facing right now aren't going to go away, even with more hands on deck. So I do think there's a deep pool that could potentially be mobilized. The problem is going to be that they suffer, like everybody else, from the same concerns that we do, and they have the same medical uh, complications that we do as well. So as much as we can expand the pool, we have to recognize that the, the, the true availability of people is still yet unknown. So what's the skim? For most of us, the idea of falling ill during the COVID-19 outbreak is worrying enough. But the risks for healthcare workers on the front lines of this medical emergency is that much greater. If they get sick too, it will mean even less people to respond to the outbreak. That challenge has led some countries to rush medical students into clinics to help out, or call doctors out of retirement to pick up their stethoscopes one last time for the good of all of us. If you still feel run down, even after meds have relieved allergy symptoms, Allerlife can help. Their unique vitamin and mineral blends take on allergy blottom, so you can feel less out of it. Take Allerlife as part of your daily routine. Allerlife does not treat allergy symptoms such as runny nose, itchy eyes, or watery eyes. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Yesterday, while you were stocking up on canned goods or trying to learn how to knit yourself out of boredom, you might have missed this. Tremendous things are happening. There's great spirit. Tremendous spirit. That's President Trump announcing plans for a new stimulus package yesterday. The part of the plan everyone's talking about? Giving cash directly into the hands of Americans. No strings attached. Here's Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin talking to reporters yesterday. Many companies have now shut down, whether it's bars or restaurants. Americans need cash now, and the president wants to get cash now. And I mean now in the next two weeks. As in, you get a check, and you get a check. Everybody gets a check. Well, kind of. Congress still needs to sign off on the idea. But here's how the Trump administration says it should work. Most Americans could potentially get about $1,000. Maybe more. It's still TBD. But the more you make, the less likely you'll be able to get it, meaning no millionaires involved. 
This is just one of the ways the administration is trying to support workers as more and more are losing their jobs. It's part of a stimulus package that the White House and Congress are working on together to the tune of up to $1 trillion. Did you get that? A trillion dollars. That's a million millions. If the idea of sending mass payments to Americans rings a not-so-distant bell, you're not wrong. I'm so excited, I want to give every American $1,000 a month. <laughs> that was former Democratic presidential contender Andrew Yang's big idea, universal basic income. It didn't get a ton of pickup among the other presidential candidates, but now that we're in the middle of a pandemic that's impacting the global economy, it's not just something only Democrats are talking about. We're examining policy tools to put money directly and quickly into the hands of American families. Yep, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is also talking about getting Americans fast cash. Utah Republican Senator Mitt Romney is also on board. But all of this is new. Remember, just last week, President Trump was talking about something different, a payroll tax cut. Here he is last Monday. We're going to be meeting with uh, House Republicans, Mitch McConnell, everybody, and discussing a possible payroll tax uh, cut or relief, substantial relief, very substantial relief. But then the rest of last week happened. By Wednesday, the Dow fell into a bear market, potentially marking a sign of bad things to come. By the end of the weekend, the Fed had slashed interest rates to near zero. Now, Mnuchin reportedly says if the government doesn't act fast, one out of every five people could lose their job. So that's why these checks are starting to look pretty good right now. Whereas a payroll tax cut would have just gone to people who are still on a payroll. And Trump says it wouldn't come fast enough. This all may sound like uncharted territory, but it turns out we've been here before. Now I'm honored to sign the Economic Stimulus Act of 2008. During the Great Recession, President George W. Bush signed a stimulus package that gave over 100 million households anywhere from $600 to $1,200 or more. So what's the takeaway here? The government is working on a plan to cure the economic side effects of COVID-19, which could include a check in your mailbox. But Congress still needs to sign off. Senate Republicans are reportedly working with the White House to draft the stimulus package now. Before we go today, we wanted to share a story from one of our listeners. This week, we've been asking you to call in and tell us how you're finding ways to help others during this time. We've loved hearing your stories and wanted to share one from Gina. Hi, good morning. I just listened to yesterday's skim. My name is Gina. Thanks to social distancing, Gina's local Alcoholics Anonymous group wasn't able to meet in person, which could have been a problem. A lot of us have really structured our life and our recovery off of the connection that we get from one another and meeting regularly on a daily basis. So yesterday, they met for the first time through a Zoom video conference call. An interesting teaching all of these like 60 plus year olds how to use Zoom, definitely during my service. We had to call Gina to hear how it went. It really has been a real struggle, my goodness. We've always been with Zoom. Gina said it took a while to get some of the women in her group set up, but... Today was our second day of running the meeting and it went much smoother. 
The Zoom meetings followed the same structure as an AA meeting IRL. And that was important to Gina. She says her life really depends on these meetings. And meeting people that I can communicate really to and learn from every day is how I'm getting through. Whether they have a day of sobriety or 10 years, like we need to be connected and not isolate and um, continue to move forward and grow in our recovery. Thankfully, Gina has been able to keep in touch with her community during this huge lifestyle adjustment. But if you're struggling through this time of social distancing, Gina's advice is to just reach out to people. Just challenge you to start it for yourself because you're not going to be left out if you're the one starting it. And I think a lot of people are afraid of that they're not going to have that connection. But I've had more connection in the last couple of days than I'm used to. Thanks for sharing your story with us, Gina, and a big thanks to everyone else who has already called in. We've really loved hearing your stories, and we want to hear more. Give us a call at 646-461-6370 and leave us a voicemail telling us how you are finding ways to help others during this time, and we might feature your call in the show. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks for listening and be sure to hit subscribe. And we'd love for you to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. For more Skim, sign up for our free morning newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. 